Welcome to Coach, the professional coaching podcast. Conversations to explore what coaching is really all about, what it takes to be a great coach, and why coach training really does make the difference. Discover how coaching can help you in all areas of your life and business in a fast-paced and demanding world. So join us here to share conversations and insights with some of the best coaches from around the globe. Real coaches, real talk. So let's get started with me, your host, Teresa Brooks. Hello and welcome to the Coach Podcast today. Now I'm really excited today um, to have a fantastic coach with me, Karen Kissane. Now Karen was in the second edition of Coach Magazine talking about turning knowledge into behaviours. So that great word, implementation, and we're going to really dig into that. But first of all, let me introduce Karen, and she can introduce herself as well and tell us a bit about her. So Karen is a business coach and a mentor. And she really helps others to achieve their potential, achieve more in their life and their business. Karen works in business coaching, team and leadership coaching. And she's the founder of the Smart Women's Business Hub. And if you're not part of that group, you really should be. It's on Facebook. It's a fantastic community. Um, And Karen also is mentored for the Sherry Blair Foundation for Women and is a member of the Forbes Coaches Council. So Karen has built a fantastic business, and we're going to talk to her a little bit today, um, a few elements really. What we like to talk about on the coaching podcast is the unregulated industry and what we think about that. And then we're going to find out a bit more about the work that Karen does and how she really makes a difference. So welcome to the podcast, Karen. Lovely to have you. Good morning, Teresa. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you for inviting me once again. That's fine. I hope that introduction was okay. If you want to add anything to that that I've missed off, please go ahead and let the listeners know any extra bits and pieces. No, it's really it's really clear. I mean, I think it's the introduction you used for um, my bio in the Coach Magazine article that I did um, at back end of last year. So, yeah, it's really accurate. I mean, I think the thing for me, my, my main focus in terms of my coaching is with smart women in business. Um, I really help smart women in business pursue their big business goals and achieve remarkable success and for me the remarkable success thing is is crucial here because you know as well as I do that people's barometers people's measure of success is very very are very very different for some people it's 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 earning as much money as they can and that's how their indicator of how well their business is going is you know how much money is in their bank account but for other people, it's about having that work-life balance. It's about having freedom. It's about having more time in their lives to do the things they love. And so that's why that last bit for me is really important, achieving remarkable success, whatever that success means for you. Mm. And I love that because success, freedom, these are the words that are around all the time, you know, achieve your ultimate success, um, have a life of freedom, create the life that you love, all of that stuff. And we see it a lot. But actually, it's so individual, of course, as we all are. And, you know, there is a sense around the fact that, you know, as soon as you become a coach, for instance, you have a life of freedom and you've done all of this stuff instantly. And of course, that isn't the case, is it? And we are all working on our own versions of success. Um, But certainly being a coach and building any kind of online business will allow you to access a life of freedom in terms of mobility, how you run your business. So do you find that the women in your group and the women that work with you, do they all want to have online businesses, Karen? Not everyone, but of course, the ability to have impact and influence is much greater 
if you transition part of your business online. And in today's modern world, you know, it's never been easier. <clears throat> excuse me. It's never been easier to to reach the people that you want to work with in a much greater way by being present online. And so for for every single business I work with, then yes, they are online, but that's to a greater or lesser extent, depending on what their individual businesses are. And actually just picking up on this kind of life of freedom that you described, I think, yes, lots of people would like to have that freedom to disappear on holiday and not see a drop in their income or, you know, not feel like they're chained to their business. But of course, the reality is so, so different for so many business owners. And this life of freedom in inverted commas, you know, it's, it's not a given. People have to work really, really hard to get to that point. And I, I think, I think this, is, this is touching on some of the things we might talk about in this interview now, Teresa, but I really think that you know, people, people think that it's easy to come by. People think that, oh, if I, just, you know, if I just do this or I just do that, if I follow this blueprint or if I buy this course, then all of a sudden this, this is all going to be possible for me. And it's the reality is actually very different to that. It's definitely possible, but not overnight. Yeah. And it's interesting that you bring up that reality piece because online, of course, we all are watching the show reels, as we say. Um, and that's absolutely fine by me, I think, because it's marketing. Um, it's attracting your audience. It's all of that good stuff. But there can be quite a difference, right, between that and reality. And I certainly find that once I speak to my female clients, it's, it's very different, you know, what we're all dealing with, what we're all juggling. And of course, there's the holy grail, right, of passive income. And we would all love that. And it's absolutely feasible to build. I believe that too. But all of it takes the foundational building, doesn't it, Karen? All of it takes the input so that you can get the output. And I think that's the difference there between building a business um, that is solid and that will, you know, reap you the rewards in the future. And also, let's be honest, like having a massive marketing machine that is just delivering lots and lots of numbers for you. Because I think online business is very, very interesting, especially in the coaching industry, because there's a lot going on with the marketing. There's a lot of things being pumped out. And, you know, like you say, people could buy everything. I mean, I've been there myself. I've downloaded Swamped in, in PDFs and free sheets, and, and it's all great stuff. Do I read it all? No, <laughs> I don't, but I pick the things that I want. So that leads to the point that it can be very overwhelming, can't it, the online space? It can. Um, and going back to the passive income conversation, there's a lot of, as you said, Teresa, there's a lot of foundations that have to be built in order to get to a point where you're generating passive income in your business. And, and it's never truly passive. I mean, it can be, I guess, if you Semi-passive. Just, <laughs> there, is, there, is, there is effort involved even in recurring revenue income streams. I much prefer the word semi-passive. Sure. Unless, unless you just quite literally got a course that is downloadable and you take the money and, and it's delivered automatically into people's inboxes, then that is passive. But for me, that's, well, of course, that's not coaching, is it? That's, that, that's actually not coaching at all. There's no interaction. There's no face-to-face with that kind of delivery. No. So as a coach, recurring revenue streams really help to build someone's business and position themselves within their business. But for me, coaching is interaction with my clients. It's about face-to-face, sitting down, whether that's through Zoom or Skype or across a table with someone and actually having 
those co coaching conversations with people. And that's what I absolutely love in my business because that's what enables me to help my clients achieve the biggest transformations. You mm -hmm. can't achieve those same transformations in a course that's delivered automatically that you don't interact with someone. That's no. just not and that's really interesting. There's a couple of things to sort of pick apart there. So the fact that you have that people will have a course that is completely downloadable that can be delivered, and of course the marketing attracts um, the clients, etc., is absolutely fantastic. So you put all of that work in at the beginning. You create something that's needed and wanted, and then you market it. You sell it, and I think that is phenomenal, excellent, and it's something that makes total sense to me. Um, and we see it a lot. The other part of that is that, of course, you've, you've brought that beautiful link in about the fact that that isn't coaching, which brings me to the link as to why uh, we're even on this podcast and why I even have the magazine and the mission behind it is that there's such a difference between coaching, mentoring, training, therapy, helping, being a friend. Those are, it all goes on. And I think what's confusing out there is that people don't understand that. And I suppose really I've become pretty precious about the word coach and coaching and it's not mine to own and I'm certainly not judge and jury. But I think it's really important that people are doing what they say they are doing. OK, so there's nothing wrong with a training course. There's nothing wrong with delivering and teaching. It's fantastic. But I really am passionate about people making that clear difference, because like you say, it's not coaching. So it's something else and it's super. So let's talk about what coaching is then, Karen, because you had a business for years with consulting and then you like formally flipped, shall we say, into the coaching space. Tell us a little bit more about you and sort of your personal journey towards coaching. What brought you here? Mm, I think it's quite an interesting story, actually, because I have a, I have a background in science. I have, have a molecular biology degree. And so didn't wow. set up to, to be a coach from the very, the very get-go. That's quite a different path, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> People are quite shocked when I tell them that, actually. Um, but, you but know, can I just ask you, Carol, what was your plan? Because obviously that's, we're going to hear uh, mm. about this bridge and the gap that you've got mm. there. But what was your plan with that particular focus at that time? I have a really logical problem-solving mind. And, you know, thinking about it, Coaching, helping people, helping people to solve their problems, helping people to get ahead, helping people to achieve the things in life they want to achieve is actually a lot to do with problem solving. And so you can make that connection anyway. But I have a yeah. really practical problem solving mind. Um, I always want to find out how things work and, and you know, and, and, and get the answers. And so I've always had a love of science. I still have a love of science, even though I'm not a scientist anymore. Mm. And so all through school, A-levels, university, really fascinated by science. And so when I graduated, I, um, I, I became a scientist, like a, a lab scientist. I worked in genetic research, DNA, fascinating, really, really fascinating. Wow, stuff. that's so interesting. These yeah. things we don't know. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and what happened over a period of time is that I could see all of these, these um for want of a better word, sales reps coming into the lab that I worked in with their really expensive, sophisticated instruments. And they'd come along and they'd do demonstrations of their instruments and they'd be there for the day and they'd take our samples and they'd run through the machines and interpret the results on all of this software. And I, I, I realized that that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to transition out of the lab. I was, this is when I 
going back a while, I was in my 20s at this yeah. point, wanted to transition out of the lab and still using my science, become a technical sales specialist, uh, doing exactly what these, these sales reps were doing. So they, had, they were working from home. They were completely autonomous in planning their diary. They were arranging their meetings. They had like a, you know, a geography, a sales area that was their, their territory, if you like. Uh, they had a company car, and I just thought, this is this is this is that flexible, interesting, dynamic way that I want to work, mm-hmm. and but that's what I did. And for a number of years, I slowly built up um, my skills and my expertise around the sales and the selling to a point where I then became um, a, a product specialist and also a sales trainer for one of the largest life science companies in the world, billion dollar company, and absolutely loved it. I was, without sounding funny, I was so good at my job. They asked me if I would then train all the other sales reps and sales managers within the, within the company as well. And so that's what I was doing. And I was doing that for many years, up to a point where I had my son. And I had my son and went back to work to the job that I loved, that I had no desire to leave, really excited to go back to work after my maternity leave. And it had it all just changed. It was awful, Teresa. My, my responsibilities had been given to someone else. And I just very, very quickly realized that this was not going to work. Mm. Um, and I had a choice at that moment in time. I had a choice. Did I want to try and pick up the pieces and fight for what was mine? I was badly treated. There was some discrimination going on when I returned from my maternity leave or did I want to did I want to take my skills and expertise and turn them into my own business um Mm. so rather than line someone else's pockets use them to to fuel my own and that's what I decided at a moment in time I decided that I was never going to work for anyone else again I left my job and I set off on this incredible entrepreneurial journey of running my own business. And I was very lucky because I knew quite a few people who were running businesses and friends, husbands and friends. And they all said, oh, Karen, could you come and do some sales training for us? And that's what I started off doing, sales training. And mm-hmm. Doing evolved. what you know, doing what you love. And this is what we talk about. And yes, yeah. that is so interesting. I, I mean, we've talked a lot and I didn't realize how similar our backgrounds actually were, though I certainly do not have a degree in biology of any level. But um, my whole background is exactly like that, mapped with corporate media sales, and I loved it. I loved being out on the road. I loved having my territory and my customers, um, and I absolutely smashed it. I can't understand why people don't love selling, but of course, I understand that most people hate it. Um, but it was it was just beautiful to me, you know, the, the skill and the art of doing it and being on my own. I think I'm quite a solo flyer like you, and all of these things that we have in our backgrounds really do go into the recipe pot, don't they, of being an entrepreneur. Like, what are you bringing into your recipe of being an entrepreneur? And if you have been employed, for instance, for a very, very, very long time, the transition can be so, so difficult. And of course, for women, if you're going to add in a family and children, with the best will in the world, priorities change. And the same thing happened to me when I had my daughter. I went back for two years. It was different. It was fair and it was okay but it was really tough um and I just wasn't being a mum just wasn't at home so I changed it as well and I've just sort of picked up on your words there you know change well I guess it's pain (laughs) it's the first thing when we start feeling pain right we want change and choice Um, and those things are so important so then you you continued with the sales 
And then obviously you would have had the transition into your consulting business, right? Yeah, that's right. And um, I, I think leaving my corporate job was, was a, it was a really pivotal moment in my career. But there was mm. a second, I would argue, more pivotal moment that happened after that. And so what I was doing for a couple of years, I was helping businesses with their sales and their marketing and sitting down and helping them map out their business plans and you know, their marketing strategy and all, all the rest of that. But what I realized, Teresa, and I, I think this is going to really resonate with you, is that when I asked different types of questions to my clients, I got very different types of answers. Mm. So, for example, rather than say to my clients, okay, well, you should include this, and this is how this needs to look, and this is what you need to do next, instead of saying those things, when I switched the question around and I said, well, okay, so just talk me through what you have been doing so far and what has stopped you and what have you enjoyed about this and where do you see this going in the future? So when I asked them open questions, I, I drew out of them rather than put in. That's when it just all opened up to them and to me. We got great results. They were really enthusiastic, energetic about the whole process of their business. Yes. And what I realized, I didn't know it exactly at the time, but I later discovered that that's what coaching was. And, and, and as soon as I realized that that's what coaching was, and well, that's when I just wanted to learn as much as possible about coaching. And off I trotted to do all my diplomas. And that's interesting because there's a couple of things in there that really interest me. The first one is that, you know, I do believe that a lot of people have natural, natural coaching sensibilities. Okay, so the instinct to be curious, to ask questions, I think we could even call it nosy, right? We want to know as much as possible as humans. And certain people can bring those coaching sensibilities into their work like you did very naturally. And I used to do the same in my sales process. I did not really understand why I was so successful. I just did it. Now I get it a lot more because the bits have been put together. So that's interesting. But um, my question for you, Karen, is why did you change your approach with those people? What was going on with them that you thought, you know what, I'm going to ask this differently? What was happening there? I don't think, I don't even think it was conscious. Right. I, I think over a period of time, I just started asking different types of questions. And maybe once I saw how enabling those questions were for my clients, then I just did more of it up to a point where something stopped me and something made me realize, hang on, I think I must have, I think I read something about coaching and that, that stopped me, mm. it made me realize, hang on, this is, this is the switch I've made. This is what I'm doing, not exclusively, but this is, this is the path that I'm going down. And now I know what that path is. Now I know exactly what it's called, of course, I'd heard what I've yes. heard of. most people, as you said at the beginning of this interview, most people actually don't really know what coaching is. And so that's when it happened. Now, once I realized that that's what coaching was, then I wanted to learn as much as possible about it. Yeah. And I think as well, you know, what's what's showing there for me is a really for yourself, a really natural pathway similar to to the one I've trodden and I think I, I still think the background of, of coaching and coaches is really really important because everyone brings this unique experience but what's also interesting about that Karen it's going to link nicely to the next part of the interview is that if you are let's say finding your way you found your way really well so you asked those questions and you started to get different results I think this is interesting 
then you read something. But that was all quite positive for you. If you take that into the coaching space and you take that into the unregulated industry space where somebody doesn't have any official coach training or any accredited coach training and they start sort of finding their way with people, do you think that is a dangerous thing to be doing? Um, I think that's a really good question because there are lots and lots of coaches who are unqualified and who are unaccredited and who are untrained, but who are coaching and who might be coaching well. What they might be, you see, and that's what's interesting, is they also might not be. What I think is much more a worry are the people who think they're coaching, but they are not coaching. And for me, that's where there's a really big grey area. So I, I come across it all the time. People calling themselves a coach, but they are not actually coaching. And, you know, I'm not saying what they're doing is bad. There's nothing wrong with no. what they're delivering. In many cases, you know, great experiences and great results for their clients, but but they are not coaching. And I think that's much more of a gray area. It is important to be, if you're taking money from people in exchange for your skills or your expertise, of course, it makes sense to be qualified so that you give your clients that that reassurance that you know what you're doing and you know what you're talking about and there is a fair exchange of money and going on skills skills. so when people are not qualified and are not trained and are not accredited then obviously those lines are blurred a little bit then but I, I really believe that the ones who the ones who are saying they're coaches but who are not coaching then that's more of a concern for me because Mm. actually what that's doing is it's misleading people and it's misleading people who don't know what coaching is and 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 leading them down a completely the wrong path and and this is exactly what the coach mission that you know I founded is is really all about and again I've said it before and I'll say it again it is not about judge and jury because actually nobody needs to do anything the, the industry is unregulated, and so there's nothing that anybody needs to do. So it wouldn't be right to say that they are wrong, and I'm not saying that. But when we dig into this centre of it, how do you know or how do you not know? How do you know what you're doing? So you may be coaching with some natural sensibilities and maybe getting fantastic results. So you may be mentoring and teaching also in all of that pot, which as coaches, we all do, but we can make it clear to our clients when we're teaching, mentoring, coaching. Um, But the thing is, how do you know when you're not and where could that lead you? So I believe that everyone is working with the best of their intention. um, And I believe that there's no bad intention from anybody. It's an NLP presupposition. I'm NLP trained. And I truly believe that. Um, because that leaves the platform open then for learning and for discussion rather than the right wrong battle which I just don't want to get into with anybody Um, so it's like how do you know what you're doing if you haven't had the framework so for instance I'm part counselling trained but I didn't complete it or I couldn't call myself a counsellor I couldn't do that because they'd be on my back straight away because obviously that is regulated and you do need to go through quite stringent procedures but coaching is just left so wide open. It's, I find it quite painful. How do you feel about the industry being unregulated, Karen? I, I'm, I, I, I can't see how people can coach if they haven't been trained because thinking about 
how much I learned throughout my coaching diplomas with the coaching academy. I mean, this isn't the, the, the diplomas that I did were not just a you know, enroll on a quick life coaching course over a weekend and get a certificate. Absolutely not. I worked mm. really hard for nearly 12 months. Mm had to attend in person. I had to document all of my hours. I had to, um, I had to evidence and document um, 39, for each diploma, 39 pro bono coaching sessions. Yes. Yes, for all of those clients. I had to have practical assessments, which were, were a three-way assessment. So thinking about how extensive my coach training was and what that taught me and the skills that I now have to be able to coach my clients, I really struggled to see how someone who hasn't had any coach training would actually even be able to coach. I mean, <laughs> absolutely, of course. And it, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? And I've been through that same experience. And what you're talking about is you know, an accredited coach training course. And those are the standards that are put in place, of course, by the ICF, the AC, EMCC. They are put the standards in place. So there's a lot of face-to-face -face time. There's all of that input that you've just described. And of course, there's courses that are not that, which you could go and you can do life coaching course. I mean, there's, there's millions of them, but they don't include any of those. So people might say, well, I've done this. Okay, and that's enough. I don't know, I, I can't, I'm not there to judge if it's enough, but that's also the difference between taking that accredited coach training and something different. And of course, when I did mine as well, I have to say, I never thought I would use these words previously in my life, but it was life changing. When, you know, when people say that, I used to think, what, what do you mean life changing? I mean, you know, surely that's massive. And, you know, when I experienced that, especially around the values work and the depth that went into on, on my course with my trainer, for me, I changed a lot of things in my life. I changed who I, I was. I changed how I perceived things. And, and this is the stuff that we're talking about here, because if you are a coach, it's not just a skill that you use with your clients, is it? It's almost like a way of life. It's a way of being. And you must change. You do change. You can't help but change all the time. Um, and so if you haven't got that and you're not doing that and you're not progressing like that, it's like, are you coaching? And I think the danger is this word is like plopped over from America from sports coaching. People have adapted it. And there's a long way to go to understand the message. But it's always refreshing to hear other, you know, professional coaches like yourself and successful businesses talking about this because I'm sure a lot of people will agree. I know a lot of people agree. And I'm sure a lot of people would disagree as well. And it's always interesting to hear both sides. Do you have this conversation in any other spaces, Karen? I have it mostly with you, Teresa, and, <laughs> and I love what you're doing with the coach, coach community, the coach magazine, and I think that's, it's really well needed. I love the fact that you're bringing together space for professional coaches to get together and to share and to communicate. Um, you know, I, have, I have coaching friends and peers, and we have similar conversations as well. I do, I, I, what disappoints me and what upsets me is that I can put a post out into my my community on Facebook called the Smart Women's Business Hub. There's thousands of women in there, and I can say, you know, what do you think of coaching? What kind of experiences have you had with coaches? And that for all the people that will respond to that, saying they've had some great results with coaches, and they they have a coach, and they would never not have a coach, there are almost always just as many people who comment saying, 
I've had a really bad experience with a coach. You know, I've, I've had my fingers burnt. I've lost money. You know, I've there's this and there's that. And that's what disappoints me is coaching is an absolutely transformational way to work with someone. It was completely life-changing for me when I got into coaching in the very same way as you described there, Teresa. And I, I think because it's unregulated, then there are the, there's this filtering through of bad experiences that people get. And I think that's a real disappointment. That's, 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 of course it is. Mm. And it's mostly disappointing, of course, for the client, for the person that's input money, time, their hopes, their dreams, you know, wanting to get forward and, and being disappointed. And of course, there's a lot of reasons in that pot. And one of which I think it, it wouldn't be right if I didn't comment on the fact that just because somebody has done that training doesn't make them a great coach you know and I, I certainly don't want that message to be out there that you know you do that and then you've got everything it's not like the golden ticket what I'm saying is that you know I believe it's a foundation that if you're going to build a business and you're going to in anything really then you would want to be skilled at it you would want to be um, credited and credible and show that you have done that but the rest of it but that's something else as well how you conduct yourself, how you run the business, how you are yeah. off camera, off scene. Um, you know, and, and we talk as well, don't we, about coaches having to sort of walk their talk because how can you talk to people about changing their life and changing behaviors and not if you don't do it yourself? And that to me is the most interesting part about being a coach in many ways because it means that I get to keep developing changing moving reflecting looking in the mirror going oh my gosh I need to look at myself here I need to change this and clients give you that it's absolutely beautiful don't you think it is and this is this is so true Teresa because doing a, a qualification in anything isn't a once and done event you don't do it and say right file it away I'm a coach now that's it done I'm really great at what I'm doing it's I think coaching is a is a lifelong learning. As you've described, it's about improving and getting better and sharpening those skills and learning and reflecting. And we do that as coaches through CPD. Mm. Uh, if we're not having that continuous professional development, then, then, then how, how can we make sure that we're operating at the very best of our abilities? And so the CPD as coaches is really, really important as coaching supervision for coaches as well. You know, that constant reflection and that constant making sure that we are operating at the best of our ability. I want to be at the top of my game in my business, you know. Absolutely. And I, I want to keep, keep taking those steps and building my business and building my skill sets so that I'm not only fulfilling my own goals, but I'm helping my clients to get to theirs as well. And that's that's what it's all about that's, for me. That's Indeed, that's why I describe it as beautiful because it's that connection between yourself and the client, how it works and how you help each other to grow. Um, and, and, you know, CPD as well, that's so, so important to continue the professional development. I mean, I go back to my, my modules and my accredited training open for a lifetime so I go back to them and you might think, well, I've, I've done this one. You know, why would I go back to that? I've already done it. But every time I go back and I'm a student for that period of time, it's different again. It lands in different again. It comes in different again. And of course, Steve, my coach and trainer, he's always developing. So, you know, I get the benefit of all his growth as well into those modules. And it's just wonderful to actually sit in that student seat 
for a change, isn't it, as well? And, you know, in some of the group work we do and actually be coached because that is such a lovely experience also. So it's kind of a great catch-all. And I, I truly can't understand why people wouldn't want to take this coach training, wouldn't want to learn. Because for me, I, lo- I love being on a course. I could be in danger of course junkie, but uh, I'm not. <laughs> but I could be because I love it. I've just signed up for two more pockets of learning because I like that brain work as well as what I'm doing in real life. Do you like to continue to actually study and learn, Karen? Have you got any plans to do further education in any way at all? Yeah, there's definitely things on, on my radar. But what I really... I see this a lot with the people that I work with, with my clients or with the the people that I'm having conversations with, is that you can become a a perpetual never-ending student. And I think that can be, I know that can be damaging for people's businesses. Because what I see a lot is people saying, well, I'm just going to do this one extra course. I'm just going to do this because they don't feel ready in their business to take those next steps. So there's a fine line between wanting to improve your skill set and learn and build that knowledge, but also making sure, checking in with yourself that the reasons behind that are not because you're just delaying doing something that you're Indeed. Because when it comes to having a successful coaching business, we talked about the coaching qualifications and the credentials, the foundations for being a great coach. But of course, the other side of that is marrying that up with having the business acumen in order to make money out of the coaching. Absolutely. I sit sit in the middle of that. I help women in business, but a lot of coaches turn their passion, turn their skills and expertise into something that they can make money from so that they, so they aren't the best kept secret. They are visible. They they do put themselves out there because that's a sad reality for a lot of coaches is they're amazing at what they do but they're not making enough money out of it and so that's my mission is to help yes help and 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 this is actually completely in alignment with your your vision for the coach magazine is to to take all of these great coaches who are qualified and actually push them out there so that it it filters out and the coaching industry as a whole is is just more filled Mm -hmm. with great credible coaches who are also great at running businesses as well you're so you're so right and I agree with everything that you've said there because at the the bottom of every coach is a good heart that wants to help other people I mean it's a helping industry and the trouble with the helping industry sometimes is that people will find it difficult to charge and to sell and to market and to marry those two pieces together with you know what I'm helping you and I want to help you oh, but I need to charge you as well. And I feel a bit uncomfortable about that. And with us both both having such strong sales backgrounds, that isn't uncomfortable. It's part of the piece and it's fact why we drive what we do as well. But when it's not, that of course is a big gap that, that, that coaches and therapists and all kinds of people in that helping industry can fall down that cavern and feel very disappointed. And of course, that can only be highlighted sometimes when you see all the shiny things on um, Facebook and socials that indicate that everybody has this incredible life of freedom with no problems um, and coaching is the answer to everything which in a way it is <laughs> but you know what I mean and I think everything that you've said is I mean you, you and I are so in alignment it's wonderful we've become great friends now as well and I'm so so um, honored to have you on the podcast sharing your views and your skills um, and I would just like to thank you for you know, having this conversation with me. And I really hope that it has helped people to 
I mean, my mission is really, if you can just think differently about something after listening or reading something, then that is a little turnkey there. And that's what I'm looking for is to people say, well, maybe, yeah, I can see that and start changing perceptions because that's really important because it's all just perception, you know, and that's the joy of it really, which is a whole whole nother podcast. So Karen, is there anything that I should have asked you, but I haven't, that you are dying to get in there that you would like to cover before we wrap up? Gosh, I don't think so. Um, (laughs) We've, we've had a really interesting roundabout discussion about coaching and about business and about skills and fundamentals. Um, I, I think, you know, coach, I truly believe that coaching is something that would benefit everyone or anyone who has something in life they want to achieve or accomplish. Sometimes people can overcomplicate things and overthink things, but when you distill coaching down to its absolute bare bones, it's not about making as much money as you can. It's not about how many likes you have on social media how many instagram followers you have that's so not true. What coaching is about coaching is about getting clear on what it is you want to achieve or accomplish and putting a plan in place that will take you from a to b through a series of steps that will get you making progress so for anyone who has that big thing in their head of something they want to do that they haven't taken steps towards doing you know, get a coach. A coach will help you make that transition. Um, it isn't about the shiny, shiny object stuff that we see on social media, as you as you described earlier, Teresa. It's about getting real with what it is that you want to achieve in your life and making making that commitment to yourself to get there. Wonderful. And my final question was going to be, what would be your one big tip? And I think you have just delivered that there so beautifully. Uh, get a coach (laughs) and on that note I'd love to thank you for your time Karen and being part of the podcast and I'm sure that we will share many uh, more fruitful conversations like this in the future thank you Teresa thank Thank you you so much take care bye-bye you can read coach magazine for free online every quarter just subscribe at coach-magazine.com and receive it direct to your inbox You can order print copies, book a directory listing, find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram.